All right. So I'm excited to have my very first guest on the Dripping podcast, my dear friend, Steffi. Steffi is a very passionate person. She's an artist. She is a meme creator. She is an entrepreneur, a paradigm shifter. Uh, what else, Steffi? <laughs> oh, man, it depends on what's needed in the moment. Yeah. That's yeah. What I would say. Yeah, that's, we've known each other for a couple of years now and actually met in our corporate days. So it's been fun to have our relationship evolve. And she is getting her master's in women's spirituality. Did I say it right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that we, we would have a conversation today and talk a little bit about really the, the, how women's spirituality and the evolution of that plays into the connection with our intuition, the connection with our body, mm. and the connection to desire, desire to feel good, desire to want more, desire to want money, and really just kind of d- dive in there and see where we end up. Yes. And I want to say thanks, Hadley, for having me on. I'm so excited to see you expanding and sharing your knowledge and your power with the world and your social location and like with your magic. So I'm just so happy to be here in a space with you. And also Bear is excited to be here. So people who are listening might hear a very excitable dog in the background sharing her energy. So I guess we're, we're diving into looking at the connection between women's spirituality, intuition, and desire, right? These three yeah. little connecting pieces. Well, Okay. So I would, yeah, everything to me backs into women's spirituality, meaning in order for me to feel desire, in order for me to really tap into my intuition, I really had to start looking at what women's spirituality spirituality is to me. Um, And also just ask me for clarifying questions because I'm just going to go off probably in a spiral, but I hope to connect all the pieces that I share. So like for me, in order to really have to access my power, and I use the word power to really to call out intuition, I also think desire and pleasure is a source of power. Uh, I really had to deconstruct conditioning that were placed on me by our system. And our system is largely a patriarchal domination system. So it's constructed of, of a, it's a web that's been constructed for a very long time. And my social location is here in the United States as a, a white woman background is also Jewish. But so I come from. Christian and Jewish roots. And also I'm raised in a country with, with primarily patriarchal religion being the supreme. So those are all really important to call out because they've shaped me. And I think they've shaped many of us who've lived within these systems. And so in order for me to have accessed my intuitive power, I needed to remove these layers that I see kind of kept me squeezed into a certain shape um, that was not my authentic shape. And women's spirituality was the key for me to really start deconstructing all of this. 
You got yeah, can you, going on it? You want to? Yeah, just one question that I'd love for you to speak to because I know you have a a workbook or a work planner that mm-hmm. talks about this work for the individual, and you really do a good job of connecting individual work to systemic work as well. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of like what what you just shared? A lot of that I know is encapsulated in your planner. It, sorry, is it a planner or a work? work i use those interchangeably it, okay it's a, it's a it's a planner but i mean i i see it it's like okay you're doing the work here's your workbook but it's in the shape of a planner yeah can you tell me a little bit about how you just took like that kind of abstract transformation that you said around like looking at these bigger systems like the patriarchy and how that's disconnected you from your intuition you had to peel back those layers in order to reconnect with yourself with your intuition mm-hmm how the workbook or the planner helps with that and mm-hmm. how you designed that to help people with this transformation. Yeah. So the, I think like the branded term I put on the website is, is a transformation companion, but yeah, it really is a planner. And it's, I actually put in a place, a process that I witnessed within myself that I underwent a process of transformation and because yeah, you're right. These are really large systemic issues. And so how does it boil down into the day-to-day of me as an individual? How, how do I how do I break out of being a product of the domination system to being a designer of my own life in my most authentic way? And so in order to support me, actually, like I make things first and foremost for me to support me and then share them out is a process which provides structure. So it's called the process of transformation. And there's, I see it's four primary steps. You you kind of recognize maybe the system ahead of you, or you recognize that there's an issue or whatever, whatever it is, there's a recognized state. And then there's a deconstructing state, which you start to break down knowledge, behaviors, mental models, that exists within you but in order to deconstruct them you first have to recognize that they exist first place right and a lot of times these might show up in our interpersonal relationships like maybe our romantic relationships or relationships with families and friends where we have conflict that's where we can start getting breadcrumbs to start like looking at this stuff a little bit more intensely also like blm movement and the me too movement that was happening on a larger scale, which was pointing us as a society to be like, hey, you have work to do. So that was like kind of the recognized stage, I think, that so those movements serve. And then it's up to individuals and then also structures to go through the deconstruction phase. So um, the and then first, the last the two, first step yeah. is recognize. Second step is deconstruct. deconstruct. And then now we're on yeah. the third explore so now you're kind of exploring what works what kind of ways of being works for you what feels good what what makes you come alive what makes you get small I mean because like that that's an individual process we're all extremely different right we all we all make up this prism of life in our own different ways and add different colors so we have to because we've how I see it we've all been conditioned in a certain way to serve the greater system then it takes some time for us to actually explore and, and out explore what actually feels good for us because we've been so detached from it. 
and not only us as individuals, but I'm also I'm also talking about like I mean generation. You know what I mean? This is so this is we're healing a long lineage of work. So then there's this exploration stage, and then then embrace. You kind of embrace into then your lifestyle shifts, and maybe your relationships shift because you've shifted, and maybe you make different decisions to about where you work, who you work with, all of those things. So yeah. Yeah, I love that process. I'm just going to layer in a couple of things. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about connecting with your intuition. Well, you just can't necessarily be who you are being raised in this culture and just automatically be able to be like, oh, I want to connect to my intuition and then boom, have that connection. What you're saying is first step is building that awareness of what, around me has shaped who I have become it's like the David Foster Wallace can you call his commencement speech if you've listened to that before I'm going to butcher it a little bit but in this speech he talks about like these fish that are these two like younger fish that are swimming through water together and then this older fish swims by and he says good morning like how's the water today and the two little fish are like, what's water? Because when you're just in something, you don't necessarily see it. Like there's a lot of things that when you're pre that nice stage, that is water you're swimming in that you don't even see. And then I hear the, the next step is then deconstructing. Like, what does that mean for me? And then getting into the exploration. That's where you can really strengthen the connection with your intuition and reconnect with like your true desires so you get to this point where you can know what you want versus what the world outside you of you wants you to want or other people want you to want so that in that exploration stage once you've built that awareness and and deconstructed right and i one other layer i'd add in is then also building the capacities within yourself like courage, strength, because like you're going to most likely be going up. You mean you you are conditioned this way because it is a way that we all swim. So if you're going and you're changing or changing what your family conditionings, et cetera, that takes a lot of courage, that takes a lot of strength. So how do you build in these capacities for yourself, which is another layer of, okay, well, you need to probably be building in time to be taking care of yourself in different ways than our society has told you to, right? Like, how can you really be doing all this work and be working like 40 plus hours a week and managing everything else? So it really shifts. It, it really creates, once you start somewhere and create a shift, the microcosm creates a macro shift. Heard, yeah. And I want to bring up, maybe we can kind of workshop something that you shared with me through this process and just on the fly. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, because you had sent me a note and it was about Elon Musk and how he had this piece in the New York Times on a Sunday that was all about his social life. And you mentioned that he sounds really lonely, but he's really busy all the time. And obviously he's very wealthy, has a lot of money. And it's almost confusing, like the role model that we have in our culture that are wealthy like the 
the stereotype of wealth mm -hmm. or the common archetypes of wealth. What I've heard you say is that that common archetype or role model of wealth, although you desire like the resources and the notoriety so that you can make an impact, you don't desire it in a way that you see commonly in the world. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I, I guess first I want to start out and say people listening that I'm in a, a space of like startup, quote unquote, mentality, building a business and, and having a, a pretty large vision. And, and so the role models for startups and entrepreneurship that I see there's not a lot of women and there's also not a lot of models for intuitive feminine led businesses. And when I say feminine led, that comes across as like super gendered. And what I mean, maybe should be more of like a way that's more natural to like earth and like the seasons. Okay. Yeah. Can we pause there? Can we... Can you kind of walk us through what feminine means and what masculine means? Because that's like a concept that I think come, might come up more in this conversation today. Yeah. So when I use the word feminine and masculine, they are, they are not gendered. I can start with masculine to me. I'm very visual. So masculine is lines and points. I see the masculine completes the task. It's very task-driven, goal-oriented, A to B. And so in order to get there, it's looking for the fastest way, which is probably like a straight straight shot. The feminine is more exploratory. It's moving around. It's got curves, no straight lines, no point. And it is, it's the movement. So I see that the masculine provides, like if you were to draw out that game that we did when we would, you draw points on a piece of paper and then you like connect them. Well, the points would serve as the, the masculine and then the feminine is drawing lines between those, those points and creating shapes. So that's how I use them. I, I see them more as, as an energetic way, not um, necessarily too much like a character or a characteristic. And what I hear you saying is that you feel Elon Musk embodies more of that masculine energy. And a lot of people in the startup or entrepreneurship world that have been successful embody more of that masculine. And there's gap in terms of embodying that feminine energy in entrepreneurship. And, and again, I just, I think it's important because I think I, I just, these words were, I don't want them to get too gendered. So, and what I mean by masculine feminine is I think with the feminine way that there's more space for more of the full range of the human, the human being, body, mind, heart, and spirit. And I don't think the ways that entrepreneurs are portrayed, there's really space for that. They're very much just working. You don't really have time for relationships. They, they hardly take care of themselves with what they put into their bodies. Rest is not part of the startup culture that type of thing. So yes. Yeah. And I think one other way to maybe look at it that we've talked about in the past, I know, is kind of like single-minded versus 
interconnection and connection minded, I mm-hmm. think is a, a way like to a, think about it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, a prism versus like a two-dimensional coin. So let's take a minute to paint a picture of what a feminine-led, embodied entrepreneur that has reached a level of financial success, what could that look like? And how would that look oh, different? I love this. I love this because this is great because this is helping me help visualize it. So I, I feel, so, okay, I'll start there. I think moving into feeling instead of answering business questions with I think. <laughs> so allowing space for I feel in business or answering questions like that is just as appropriate. Rest being built into the work schedule autonomy over people's individual schedules obviously working together in a team environment you have to come up with some types of agreements and then also yeah agreements setting agreements together as a group creating space for vulnerability it's it's to me a feminine-led business it's it's not about profit for me like my business Profit, I will have. I will have tons of profit and I look forward to enjoying those resources. But it's about purpose for the planet and people, service. And and by doing so, the abundance just comes. But it's um it's not just seeking out abundance off the bat and doing anything like at the cost of making a profit, right? The profit just comes after you grow your garden you you water it you soil it all that stuff and how so would I, how would this like embodied feminine leader like personally use her money let's say she acquired the wealth of elon musk how would mm-hmm. she be using her money as an individual well i'm gonna i love this because this is like getting me like you're helping me ramp up my energy to visualize it she would use it well, first to feed herself, to replenish herself, replenish, restore herself, her family, make sure healthy mind, body, and spirit. And, but making sure that's done in a, in a way that's aligned to planet and the collective. I think if, oh, if and when I have the resources of Elon Musk, I think really, I think I'm just going to like flood a bunch of VC, like create a VC because there's not really, I, I haven't seen too much feminine VC in the ways that you and I are talking right now. Like Sarah Blakely, amazing. I know she's put a lot of money, but there, there's there's your business, intuitive budgeting. Like, like imagine that, like we, we need all new curriculum. As a society, we're literally shifting on a massive scale. And so we need people and their and their ideas and their work to be able to be scaled out. So I, I think I would just put it back on entrepreneurs and restoring planet, shifting businesses, obviously. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. So I hear you saying that a wealthy, female, feminine, embodied, conscious leader <laughs> would be able to resource herself first, knowing that she can do more when her cup is full. Mm-hmm. She would 
also look outside of herself to see how she can support others to advance their missions forward to, Mm -hmm. I guess, what other missions would this female embodied, feminine embodied leader support? I mean, anything to restore and replenish people and planet. And and I think people getting to their authentic selves. Uh, And that could be collective liberation, collective healing, restoring the lands, supporting individuals and their transformation. I mean, it could be to roll out healing practices. Imagine if the healing that you and I have been able to participate in, if that was part of like normal healthcare. And and what if healthcare looked completely different than it did now? It wasn't fully rooted in Western medicine. It was more encompassing. Everyone had access to it. Those types of things. Um, Imagine more people of color, indigenous women. I mean, really, I mean, the indigenous communities, they should, they are leading the charge in a lot of planet stewardship. And so it's like, how, how can you create more space for them in a society, in a system who has worked tirelessly to oppress them? Any, any and all of that work. So dismantling the old system and doing everything you can, and like the, I'm the female leader in this, in this activity, <laughs> to, to uh, empower, I don't, I don't like the word empower, so let me erase that, but Anything I can do to support others to have more space to just do their work, what they're authentically aligned to, people on planet, in mind. Yeah. Is there a reason you don't like empowered? There is, and I can't, the, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's, the idea is that almost like, I think it's a little bit rooted in white saviorism. Like, I don't need to empower you. You're already you already have your own individual power. It's more so, what can I do? Can I get blocks out of your way that the system's put in front of you? Can I look at my own internal conditioning that might be keeping me, like keeping biases in place or keeping anything that like would not allow you to advance in the ways that you need to? But the idea is like, you don't, yeah, people are already individually empowered. They already have their own power. They just need to, be reminded of it and have it accessible and have barriers removed so they can well live into uh, it okay well this is i'm about to open up another can we don't have to go too deep but i think i think not everyone needs to be reminded of their power i think i can say this because i'm a white woman talking to another white woman i think i think white women i think we need to be reminded of our power i think we face different different experiences than a black woman and and they might say that they might need to be reminded too but i want to speak from my location i think that um yeah i think as white women we might need to be reminded of this i needed to be reminded of this but not everybody needs to be reminded of it they they need other things they need us to get out of their way they need oppressive systems to get off their backs they need to not be arrested because they're just driving in a white neighborhood as a black person. You know what I mean? So we all face different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to loop us back to our process a little bit because we were workshopping this Elon Musk example. So mm-hmm. 
uh, we started with recognizing. So what would be the recognizing in this situation? I guess recognizing that there isn't an example of wealth that is desirable for you. Mm. What, mm. Be, what is the recognition of? Oh, I see what we're doing. Okay, so we're applying the process of transformation to like, okay, okay. This How wealth example, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wonder if we could put it into a statement. Like, how could I be a woman rooted in feminine leadership? And and how would I use my wealth? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're asking the recognize. What would I need to recognize? Yeah, what does that look like? I guess, what is in this Elon Musk example where, yeah. hey, I want to be wealthy and powerful, but there's part of me that feels like I shouldn't desire that because all the examples I see don't resonate with me and who I see myself to be and want to become and how I want to show up in the world. So there's this like confusion. So it's like, okay, we have this problem. What does that recognized stage look like, I guess? Right. So first I'd see, hold on. I have to look inward for a second. So I first have to recognize a few different things. Say out loud what I want recognize the like look like the the most logical thing is like okay what are the models in front of me so elon musk being one model so recognizing those are the models maybe recognizing the discomfort that i feel there's some type of agitation that i internally experience when thinking about applying elon musk's lifestyle to me and then i'd use those breadcrumbs to realize that some that that something in there needs to change. Um, I think what we realized was like, oh, because he embodies this more masculine, like overvalued, unhealthy masculine. That then, like, there was what you were desiring was more of this embodied feminine energy leader. Is that sort of then the what's the next thing after recognize? So then deconstruct. Deconstruct. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, deconstruct. So, I mean, and that one's like, that's a really big one. And that one takes, there's a, there's a lot in that. So what I'm currently working on is deconstructing everything from like the 40 hour work week and like what, like what does work, what constitutes as work? Like, for example, when I walk, um, when I rest, can I start to flip that and realize that, that I am working, I'm replenishing myself. And like, so like in order to get to all that, I have to spend a lot of time for my mind to like accept that because I've been conditioned, right? Okay. Be at your desk, work 40 hours a week. I mean, there are programs these days that literally monitor how, how, how long you're in front of the computer and companies are only paying for that amount of time. (laughs) So I deconstructing that, deconstructing notions that like, I'm a, I'm a woman. Can I even be in a position of this much? power and then deconstructing the word power because i i've had power has been harmful to people people we have so many people on our system who hold on to power and put that power on top of other people so the word power can even be triggering so yeah and i know you use the word dominant system of domination when it comes mm-hmm. to power as well can you explain a little bit more what that means and then kind of what your solution is to that or offering is to that to consider instead? 
Yeah. So there's, so again, as a systems thinker, I, I kind of define that the system, we live in an extractive system, a domination system, domination system seeks power over one power over the other. And we've been living in this type of system for centuries. Um, so, and then most recent, not most recently, but now we live also in a white primacy domination system. So domination is just seeking power over power over the other. And the alternative to that, which I, I did not coin these, this is cultural theorist Rian Elsner, who's done extensive research in all this, is the partnership system. And so in partnership system, there's a whole new value. We have to create a whole new system of valuation. So we value care. We value child care. We value, value rest. We value the innate connection we have with people. We recognize that the well-being of my neighbor is also the well-being of me. We recognize how we all influence each other. So that would be, that's the system. So we're in under deconstruct still. So yeah, you, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to deconstruct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it made them, this is, yeah, there's a lot here. I, then the biggest one that I'm deconstructing, which ties back to my women's spirituality is deconstructing patriarchy because as a, as a white woman, all my race has afforded me privileges within the white supremacy and the loss of people of color and the harm of people of color. I'm still a woman who is oppressed by the patriarchy. So having to spend a lot of time to deconstruct the patriarchy and, and again, for me, it's been really helpful to look to matriarch matrifocal societies and partnership societies that existed before the domination patriarchy white supremacy that we live in now yeah and there are some of those societies yeah that absolutely you- yeah there's thirty thousand years ago the first god was not a god but was a goddess and it was a black woman and this is this roots back in africa so the roots of all of us, we all come from Africa, eventually, if you go back long enough, was of a black woman. And and then that spread throughout all throughout the world. Asia, Europe, Mesoamerica. Am I saying that right? I hope I'm saying that right on this. Have, has evidence of goddess-based religions, earth-based cultures. And I mean, if you if you think about it, I mean, there are theories as to why. I mean, if you you're seeing a woman, then all of a sudden, nine months later, she creates life out of her, right? It's pretty magical. So that's some theories as to why the deity was of of a goddess. But there, if we look at Crete specifically, which is old Europe, which there's a lot of evidence of a matriarchal society. And matriarchal society does not mean women on top of men. So it does not equate to that. So that's an important distinction. It just means that women were revered. They did hold leadership positions. So there's a ton of archaeological evidence looking at their the paintings and the writings and the economic control was dispersed among members wasn't hoarded so these these societies especially crete that's what i'm currently studying a lot 
right now, offer a way forward for us to, re- to realize we have operated in a different way. And we've, we've really only been operating in this way for a very short amount of time, which is really good to know and also terrible because we've done so much damage in such a short amount of time operating under this system. So, And the, the goddess-based religions and the earth-based cultures, you say those offer a different way. Can you share any examples of what those ways are that maybe could be relevant to us today? Yeah. And I also just want to point out like the indigenous cultures here in North America, I mean, are earth-based and and still operate to this day from what I understand. Um, Yeah. So some examples, I think first and foremost, it's just recognizing the power of, of women instead of oppressing women and creating space for that, which sounds really nice to me. It sounds really nice to be in a society that that values me, which I, I do not feel personally. Um, then economically, again, like I mentioned, again, it wasn't about hoarding. And it's, I don't think they use the word profit back, profit back then, but it was making sure that it was dispersed because there was a recognition that if my neighbor's good, then I'm good. So I think that's an important model and an important piece to take away. Uh, there was a reverence and a lot of space for arts and music and theater. And so working didn't look like obviously how we work now in front of computers. There was a centeredness with nature. Nature was centered in the community in the holidays. It's what brought it brought the community together. So those are just some quick examples. Yeah, those are good examples because I think we can then look at how do those show up in our world today and how are things shifting? Like the first one of valuing women. I mean, obviously in our world, there's a far way to go. And there is shifting. There is the disruption of business as usual beginning to happen as we're seeing in Iran. What do you see as the paradigm shifting? Like, is it happening? Where are we at in terms of this evolution? The paradigm shift is definitely happening. We're, we're, we're fully on board in the paradigm shift. But it, it, I wanted to note that it's happening, depending where you are geographically and politically in the world, the experience is different. So I want to stay rooted in what my location is, which is here in the States, United States, that the paradigm shift is happening. And I think where we're at is I think the, the shadows are becoming apparent. That's what I think, not to not to mention his name, but Trump, I think really brought out shadows, just like shadow work that we have to do individually. I think this is the shadow work of America, the United States that we need to do that's come out. And, and then also within businesses. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, BLM and Me Too, and then we're seeing the positive effects, including DE&I, we're seeing the SEC come down on greenwashing which it's not directly related to feminine, but it is taking 
a view towards Mother Earth in a different way. Like we're so I do see that we're we're definitely in the shift. Depends on what part of the shift you want me to focus on, because I could focus on a lot of different components of it. So I think the component of yeah, like the this femininity, this and as for women feeling yeah. and valued. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a process, right? Society needs to recognize there's an issue and then individuals need to do the transformation work, especially women, to do the work and again, de- deconstruct themselves to get to their authentic place. And then our society making space and welcoming their authentic selves. But like, it, again, it takes individual courage and all that. Mm. I, I don't know really what else to say. I, I don't know. My yeah. brain's like, I could go so many ways. <laughs> Those are big questions. Yeah. I want to connect it back to what we said in the beginning was like, we wanted to talk about like the connection between like pleasure and desire mm-hmm. and intuition and, and money. So kind of based off of where your head's at now and what we've been talking about, like we've been talking about like the suppression of women and the, the patriarchy. And how does that tie to desire and pleasure? Well, I think the key word would be authenticity. I think in order for us, and I want to stay rooted in my experience. So my experience has always been, I felt a deep connection to Mother Earth and the collective and I've been feeling the hurt of Mother Earth in the collective for a while. And I think many of us have. And that also goes back to valuing women and or valuing just people with these with these gifts. So, okay, so connecting pleasure to the the oppression of women. That's where we're going. Yeah, yes. In order to, in order for me to feel what's pleasurable to myself, I mean, I have to actually know myself and then to know myself, I have to not be, a, not be a product of the system. You have to do that to... deconstruction work that we said in the beginning. Right. right. In right. order to know yourself. And I think that's really where it, it can tie because if you don't, if there's all this noise that's in between you and your intuition, your authenticity, your like unfiltered truth then you're not able to access that. Mm-hmm. And I think us knowing each other's stories quite well, <laughs> I think we can say that personally for the both of us in our journeys on this planet is that all of the noise of the shoulds from the culture that we've been raised in have disconnected us from mm. our truth and our intuition and our wisdom. And I think that intuition and wisdom communicates to us through our bodies, through pleasurable sensations, good sensations, feeling good in your body, like mm-hmm. that, those glimmers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in order to get all that, you've got to, you've got to, I just see them as layers of like dirt and rubber bands like squeezing us and then like just like on top of it layers of like dust and dirt 
And it's like, we've got to cut through these rubber bands so that we can come out into this like massive shape that we are, remove the layers of dirt and so that we can shine. Yeah, because if you have these, I think an important distinction here is like, if you don't do the recognizing and the deconstruction and you just go straight to exploration, which we do a lot in life, it's like, okay, you graduate high school, you graduate college, go explore but you're still wrapped up in these rubber bands. The things mm-hmm. that you explore aren't what's sourced from your genuine interest and desire right. and pleasure. It's right. sourced from what should I desire based off of the constraints that have been placed upon me. Right, right. And I think that's where the word alignment comes in. Something I, I go back to is like, because like, yeah, the idea is you kind of get all lines, then you can just then you kind of move through life with a lot more clarity uh, and, and you can you can be in those spaces where you're feeling joy and pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you are aligned and like onion rubber banded. <laughs> like using your rubber band analogy and like this is something I've noticed in my life is it's not only taking the rubber bands off because then you you still don't know yourself. You still don't, like, just when you take the rubber bands off, mm, it's not like that right. you're in alignment. <laughs> right. It's like you're naked at, in front of a closet mirror. You're like, you've taken off all your clothes and you're like, what clothes do I want to put on? <laughs> or maybe you don't want to put any clothes on. All you want to put on is rhinestones and sparkles on your face. In body paint. <laughs> yes, in body paint. Exactly. That's another one of Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah, the way she shows up in the world as as a body paint artist at Exag Dance in Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> and and one one thing I'll say about and something I have to keep reminding myself too, going back on that deconstruction phase, is I I keep expecting me to kind of wanting to fit into like I want to fit on a little business card so that people can understand me and I can understand myself in a simple sentence. But the thing is, is like we're so we're so multifaceted and we are like a prism right so like we're not supposed to be just this this flat thing where we just identify ourselves behind a job title one job title part of my own journey i have to continue to remind myself in my my deconstructing phase is that i'm not meant to just like fit on like one business card or like linkedin wants you to have like one sentence describing who you are you know what i mean you're expected to show up as like one way in the world simplicity you want people to understand who you are so you've got to make yourself smaller and smaller and smaller but the thing is once you do this work you realize how big you truly are and like how many spaces you go into and how expansive and how many things you get to do that we're not meant to just be one little line or a LinkedIn post. Yeah. And I think going through the world, we're, we're unconsciously doing that to each other. Like looking at someone based on what they look like or what they do and then summarizing them in one word. Like for yeah. me, people look at me and judge me based on my looks and say, oh, you must be 22. And want to jump to conclusion about who I am based off of how I look. And I'm 30. That's like, if I was who I am now at 22, then wow, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But that just like reminds me of like, there's all these different ways people are trying to categorize each other, be it how you look and 
the color of your skin or how old you are or what job you have or what your name is, where you live, all these things. We're always trying to make sense of something by labeling it and using our mind. And there's so much beauty in like, what if we didn't label things as much and just experience them as how they come to us? And I feel like that's really a feminine, as we're talking about the, the feminine energy as well as like the need to not label but to appreciate I don't know yeah absolutely I mean labeling I mean it's kind of like a dualistic mindset and it's also one I think rooted in ego I think it serves us like it's for survival in the past like I don't know you could probably root it back to way back in the day you're you're looking at if you come across a, a different group of people that don't look like you, you're trying to assess, is this an enemy or is this a friend, right? So, I mean, we could probably root all of these ways of thinking back to a very, very legitimate thing for survival. But the thing is, it's what you're pointing out I, a different way. And I'd like to say, you know, I, we're in a moment of time where we're beyond that, right? Like we, we're ready for that. But that, that, that's conditioning. And also that, that is a human condition, I think. And so I don't want to like not knack it. I think it's introducing a, a different, more expanded view. So it's like a choice of like here, next level, an expanded approach that we could do when we enter, when, when this comes, when we come across this. Yeah. And I think that also invites in the ability to question how things are. Getting into our last phase, which is embrace. Yeah. So what are we doing now? We have our Elon Musk example that we're roughly following. So we we recognized that there's not like a role model of expansive wealth that really resonated with you, stuffy, like the the examples of wealth that we have in our popular culture don't resonate with what you desire and how you desire to show up in the world. We deconstructed the elements of that from the patriarchy to other things <laughs> and then into exploration. So exploring new models, which we, we talked about as well, and then how we can reconnect with our intuition and kind of went on a tangent about what we need to do to reconnect with our intuition so that we can explore in a way that like brings us to our most true and authentic and aligned self. And then now we're so like doing that exploration and we talked through with you what a wealthy and feminine embodied leader would do with her wealth. What is this embrace stage now as a part of your process, mm -hmm. your transformation process? Yeah. I mean, I think... Well, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm, I'm personally getting up to this embrace stage. So I think the embrace is, is, is wearing these mindsets or these behaviors with conviction. And then again, continuing to set up and design the rest of your life to follow what it is that you did decide to embrace. 
And like, for me, what that means is what do I apply to myself individually? And then when I, when I create this space for my work and for my colleagues, how do I embrace that also within this space? And then how do I embrace that when I'm working with clients and I'm working with, with anybody? Just it's, I think it's, it's bringing the individual out into the external environments. And yeah, I I I call that embodiment. Yeah. I call that embodiment. So like when you're actually, you did that exploration, discovered what you value and who you want to be. And then how do you embody that in your actual life? Like live and yeah, to that. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's, maybe I should replace the embrace for the embodiment. Cause I think I, I'm trying to actually have it playing that resonates with me too, what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Well, embrace is a beautiful word too. I like that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for walking us through this process. If someone wants mm-hmm. to do this for themselves, can they get a copy of the workbook planner somehow? Yeah, it is sold on my website, sethynicole.com. And if anyone's listening in San Diego, you should definitely hit, hit up the shop, Vervor. They have some copies there as well. And it's a beautiful shop. Cool. And how else? Can you tell us a little bit more about your business, Mother's Tongue? Because you've yeah spoken to it in the abstract here as something you're building. Right. Just so people are aware. So Mother's Tongue is a consultancy helping businesses make decisions that are climate safe and socially just and helping them shift to the regenerative economy. So if people want to connect with you more and follow you, how can they do that? I'm on LinkedIn, which I post a lot about the importance of making, being climate safe and socially just in business. So that's Steffi B, B-E-I-G-H. And then my Instagram is Steffi Nicole, initial B. And you can see my art and my workbook there as well. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being the first podcast guest. Yeah. Our conversation per usual, and I'm excited to share it with more people. Thanks, Hadley. I'm looking forward to seeing everything you create. Thank you.